Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Thank you for checking out Restored Part 2. This is a live, raw recording that was captured at our outdoor worship gathering. So thank you so much for uh, for hanging out with us today. You might hear some wind and some birds and other noises in the background. But thank you for listening, and I hope it blesses your heart. All right, good morning once again. A few days ago on August 29th, on the 16th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina... Hurricane Ida made landfall in Louisiana. It was a category four, category four storm, okay? And what that means, it had sustained winds of 150 miles per hour. 150 miles per hour. Now keep in mind, category five starts at 157. So Ida was a, was a high grade storm. It, it smashed into Louisiana. And of course the remnants then uh, affected so many regions, our, our region as well, uh, in the United States, uh, Ida brought rain and wind, tornadoes, flooding. Again, we saw that in our, our own area. Did everybody do okay with, with Ida? Nobody got, got super washed out. I saw a guy surfboarding on, uh, on the news down in Conshohocken. Uh, you know, people swimming in that, that water, which probably isn't a good idea. Uh, on, on multiple levels there. So, yeah, we had Ida uh, recently. Yesterday was uh, the 20th anniversary of, of 9-11. And, you know, when we have these natural disasters or national traumas and, and tragedies, often there is, you know, depending on, on what it is, and there's different levels of it, but things can get stressful afterwards. There, there's anxiety that can form inside of us, a lot of loss and, and heartache. And sometimes what we deal with might just be annoying. Like we, we might have to go, you know, pick up limbs and sticks off of our yard and it just might be kind of annoying. Other times it's devastating. Okay. And, 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 and we're just absolutely overwhelmed after these big events. Now, often what we see after a big disaster, a national tragedy, or, you know, just something major happening a leader often kind of has to make a speech and, and they'll step up to a, a platform, whether it's the president or the FEMA administrator or uh, some, some sort of local sheriff or somebody like that. A, a person in leadership position will get to a podium and, and sometimes these speeches are just, they're just so good. Sometimes they're just stating the facts. Okay, here's what we know. But, you know, sometimes they, they try to express the, the lament of what's going on. They're trying to work through the grief. And that can be a really hard thing to do, especially, you know, if, you know, coming right out of a, a big disaster. But then after kind of stating some, some facts and offering some words of, of loss and, and, you know, wrestling with all of that, often they'll, they'll try to offer some hope. Encouragement. Okay, this is how we are moving forward. This is how we're going to rebuild. This is our restoration plan. 
In our sermon series today, we're looking at a time when God brings hopeful words of restoration to his people. And it might not be a perfect analogy here, but uh, we're in Ezekiel chapter 36, and, and perhaps it's kind of like, okay, this is God's restoration speech. This is God stepping up to the podium. His people are in disaster, and he is going to bring words of hope. He is going to bring words of restoration. And by the way, if you need a Bible, uh, I believe we have one or two sitting back there on the back table there. They're free to take uh, take it and uh, you know make it your own. We have some Bibles back there. So Ezekiel chapter 36. God is bringing restorative grace to Israel. This is their story. They're in exile right now. Their homeland is in ruin. The people are kind of just rotting away spiritually. They're, they're, they're lost. So in terms of disaster, yes, I would say Israel is in disaster. All right. But God is stepping up to the podium here today, and he is bringing words of, of restoration, words of restoration grace. I'm going to gather you. I'm going to regenerate you. Uh, we, we are going to have a, a reconciliation. We talked about that, that last week. This is Restored Part 2. It's a four-part series. So this is Part 2 of what we're getting into today. Again, we're in Ezekiel chapter 36. In God's restoration speak, he, he, he gives promises of a new heart and a new spirit. He's, he's going to wash up his kids. He's going to make them clean. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 29. And I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses. And I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. And so famine is a terrible thing. Especially in this ancient world, famine is the worst. Uh, if it goes on long enough, it's going to affect all areas of society. Every arena of life gets touched by a famine. And especially like if it's if it's kind of localized, like if, if it's only your country going through famine and every other country around you is doing okay, like that's that's disgrace. In this ancient world that is so tied up with agriculture, famine is absolutely the worst. But here we have God, God stepping up to the podium and he's saying, Israel, I'm your provider. I'm your provider. I'm going to I'm going to call up the grain. I'm going to summon the grain. The fruit is going to be there on the trees. Look at the field. The produce is going to be ripe. It's going to be good. God is pointing to a day when his people will no longer suffer the disgrace of famine. There's going to be plenty and it's going to be awesome. No more disgrace amongst the international community. And again, in this ancient world that is tied up with agriculture, you know, this is God's way of almost contextualizing his, his words of hope. Talking about like ending famine, that's going to meet them at a deep level. That's going to connect deeply with them. The land is going to be restored. God's heart here is simply this. 
at least one sliver of it. Healthy land equals healthy people. And you know, harmony is a big theme in the Bible, and I would almost argue uh, we don't talk about harmony enough. Harmony. As God is graciously acting, he wants to usher in harmony back into the situation. Again, their story is chaotic and, and messed up. They're in, they're in exile. God wants to restore that. He wants to bring harmony. And he's like, okay, Israel, all right, no more bloodshed, bloodshed no more violence, no more idol worship in the land. All right, don't defile this land anymore, Israel. I want you guys to have good land. I want you guys to have good food, good worship. And I want you to see the interconnectedness between like good worship and obedience and productivity. It's, it's all good stuff and it all flows together. It's, it's a mosaic of, of harmony. Good worship, good work, good, good pro- productivity, obeying God, restoration, uh, relationships restored. It's, it's all good. That's what God is chasing after here. But, you know, uh, let's check out verse 32 before we move on. And this is important. This is a big theme of our sermon series, what God says in verse 32. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord. Let that be known to you. All right. God's restoration plan. Again, this is God's will. It's his desire. It's his initiative. This grace that Israel is receiving, the the grace that we receive is so unmerited. And again, this is so important to our our sermon series today and God willing, the next two Sundays as we keep rolling in Ezekiel. God's grace. God's grace. As we respond to grace, as, as Israel responds to God's grace that they do not deserve, God then gives Israel an instruction. As God graciously restores Israel, he then instructs them to remember. Check out verse 31 and 32. Then then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake I will act, declares the Lord. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. So at first, these verses might seem a little bit uncomfortable. But what we're going to do here this morning is we're going to unpack verses 31 and 32 with our gospel glasses on. All right, we're we're actually going to spend a big portion of time on verses 31 and 32 this morning. So I actually want to want to say a prayer uh, because I, I think nuance and, and clarity is so important, what we're about to get into. Uh, so let me just pray real, uh, real quick. Heavenly Father, God, uh, Lord, I just ask that you would make the following section clear to us. Uh, whoever is, is seeking out wisdom, whoever is wise, let them understand. Whoever is discerning, Lord, this morning, just let them know. I just pray that your word will just land so so well on, on, on good soil this morning. Uh, Father, um, again, I, I ask for clarity. 
I ask that the nuance can be there. Help us to hear uh, what, what, what you are saying. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So, so like Israel, we have a disgraceful past. And I'm pretty sure I don't need to tell you all about your, your brokenness and, and, and the pain and, and things like that in your own story. And you know what? Absolutely, there's stuff in our past that we want to forget about. All right. But but here we have God giving this instruction to remember that. And so how do we do how do we deal with that? All right. The Bible teaches us the, the gospel teaches us that in Christ our our sins are forgiven. We are washed clean as far as the east is from the west. Our sins are removed from us. All right. Let's like we are washed clean. It's gutted out. It's gone. Now, why? Now, why remember it? So, we have to unpack this this morning. This is where we need a really healthy understanding of shame. Okay? Before we move on, I just want to say, when we talk about shame, shame should never be divorced from the gospel. Shame is a natural emotion. It's, it's a feeling of humiliation and, and defeat. It's a natural emotion, but it's also instructive. And so with care and with nuance, let me say this. There is a proper place for shame in the Christian's life. The challenge is, in my observation, most of us are not discipled well with how to deal with shame. And it's sister guilt. Again, shame is natural. It's instructive. But the big point is this, a healthy response to shame, a discipled response to shame is this. It leads us to the cross. It, it leads us to the gospel. When I remember my mistakes and that shame starts to bubble up, okay, that is evidence of a new heart and the new spirit. If I didn't feel that shame, if I looked back and just laughed at everything and felt nothing, all right, that's that's no good. But if, if you start to look back and you're like, oh, man, I messed up. I feel bad about it. All right. The thing is, when my memories trigger shame, again, the big point is that has to be calibrated with the gospel. Because we are sinners and saints, right? Now, a theologian named Chris Wright, he, he puts it this way, and I want you to listen very carefully to this quote. He says, Sins which have been forgiven and indeed cleansed away are no longer there to be remembered by God and acted upon for judgment. But they are still there to be remembered by the sinner. A cause for shame, and listen up, and yet... Simultaneously, a cause for rejoicing in the grace of God. Verses 31 and 32 here, it, you know, when, when it's like, okay, Israel, you are going to remember your past and you're going to loathe them. You're, you're going to grieve who you were. And so church, when you remember your past, you get to do it with a new heart and a new spirit. Absolutely, because you're a new person, because you're repentant, you're going to feel ashamed. 
But the big idea here is to let that shame be a tool. Let it be instructive for you. To, that, that if you start to feel that shame, you bounce to the gospel as quick as you can. You get to the cross. You tell Jesus all about it. Shame is not to control your identity. Let me say that again. Shame is not to speak identity over you because God already does that. You are a son. You are, you are a daughter of God most high. God speaks words of identity over you. And if, if there's just one ounce of shame that starts to creep in and, and speak identity over you, and then, and then if you let it go on, if that foothold is there, then you'll get sucked into that shame spiral, and then you'll get, go on a guilt trip, and then you start to feel shameful for being on a guilt trip, and then you almost forget why you were even feeling shame in the first place. You just feel shame and guilt. Just it, It's a stew. It is a stew. And then you start to feel like you are almost like subhuman, unworthy. Church, your identity comes from God. He loves you. You are his a son, a daughter of God most high. Do not let shame control your identity. I'm going to borrow from Chris right again. He says, when I remember my sins, I know God does not. From his side, they are buried in the depths of the sea, covered by the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, never again to be raised to the surface and held against me. It is only in the awareness of that liberating truth that I can or even ought to remember them. End quote. The secret sauce here, the secret sauce is to remember our sins from a place of liberty and victory. The problem is, and I know this very well. The problem is shame gets weaponized. Again, shame sends us on guilt trips. And, and accusations start to come. And, and it's, it's those accusatory messages that, that pound our heart. This assault that is on our heart and mind. That accusatory language. That's the work of the evil one. So we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to discern through all of this natural emotion, shame and guilt. Holy Spirit, help us to, to help us to, to bounce through it. Shut it down. The accusatory messages that come to us. Holy Spirit, shut them down. Bounce to the gospel. Bounce to Jesus. Shame that has been chastised by the gospel. That's healthy. If it's accusatory, that's from the evil one. That's no good. And so if you have to look back, when you look back, take Jesus with you. Let there be a movement of worship. All right. Let there be a movement of worship. Oh, man, I, I hate that in my past. Why was I so stupid? Why was I why was I into that? Well, that uh, kind of moment. Oh, Jesus, please. And, and it's like, yes, that right there. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, take that shame, bounce it, bounce it to the cross. Give it to him and let there be a movement of worship that you are forgiven, that you are washed clean. It's out of that disgrace and into worship. 
you celebrate out of shame because there is so much grace and love for you. And you know what? You celebrate your life change. Even if it's a baby step, if you are striving and you are, you are moving forward in this Christian journey, celebrate that life change. Don't let your past keep holding you back and speaking lies and accusations over you. Church, let's celebrate life change together. And part of this conversation is also just getting in touch with, with our Holy Spirit sensitivity. All right. I hope you guys are doing okay. This is, this is heavy. This is heavy stuff. That Holy Spirit sensitivity, all right, it's, it's there to prevent repetition. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to do that thing again. You know what? I hate it. I hate it so much. I, I hate sin. You know, that, that Holy Spirit sensitivity and, and, and it's like, yeah, I don't want this stuff anymore. I want Jesus. You are enough. You are my Savior. You're my Lord. And so part of this whole process, this shame and bouncing to the gospel and working through all of this, and the Holy Spirit is there working on your poor, tender heart. You're also growing and you're learning how to hate sin. You don't want to do that stuff anymore. So here's, here's my final nugget on this section here. Don't remember the wound without remembering the rescue. You have to look back, take Jesus with you. All right, the next two sections will kind of move quicker here. We're in verse 33. So God, he, he brings restoration he does ask us to remember, or, or he's, he's like, you will remember. But again, we're, we're calibrating that with the gospel now here in Ezekiel. God restores and renews the place for his people. That's what we have next. Verse 33. Thus says the Lord God, on that day, I will cleanse you from all your iniquities. I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places shall be rebuilt and the land that was desolate shall be tilled instead of being de the desolation that was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate and, the desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do this. Again, God is stepping up to the platform here. After saying that, okay, you guys are going to remember your past and you're going to hate it. But in God's restorative language here, again, he is saying, I am provider. I am provider. I'm going to rebuild. I'm going to replant. The restoration of the land is going to be beautiful. And you know, God loves full-scale restoration. I think sometimes we, we put God in a box and if we kind of make, you know, you know, yeah, we, we want to celebrate a little bit of restoration, but God's all about full-scale restoration. And he says everything is going to be like the Garden of Eden. Now, we, we can look forward in the future uh, with a new heaven, new earth, just like the Garden. 
But back to the original audience with Ezekiel here, every time you would mention Eden, like that would trigger them. They'd be like, oh yeah, that's good. The Garden of Eden. Back when things uh, there, there were good, there was harmony, there, there was this shalom and peace, right? Back in the Garden of Eden to say that God is going to get us back to the garden. That is amazing. That is, that is good news. And again, our God loves holistic, full-scale restoration. So let me just bounce to the application here. I think a good application for us is to pray for holistic renewal. I've said this before. If something doesn't look like heaven, that's a prayer request. Father, bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Renewal. Renew the schools and the roads and the families and the businesses and the land and the economics. Renew it, God. Revive it. And you know what? When God is on the move, when God is up to stuff, he makes people notice. People turn their heads. And you know what? Let's, let's join in with what God is, is doing. Let's join in and help make ruined brokenness into ravishing beauty. And so God, he's, he's going to restore the place for his people. He's going to then just say, I want you to ask for help. And this is our concluding two verses, 37 and 38. Thus says the Lord God, this also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them, to increase their people like a flock, like the flock for sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem during her appointed feasts. So shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. The invitation here is to ask God for help. Specifically, the invitation is to ask God to increase the flock. And the closing imagery that I want you to have in your, your head right now, I want you to try to just imagine the city of Jerusalem. But it's filled with spotless lambs at festival time. A city just packed full with the flock. God, increase the flock. And so with God's restoration, restoration speech, God is stepping up to the platform. He's like, okay, okay, guys, okay, kids, you've been in disaster. You're in exile. Here's my words of restoration. Here's my words of grace. Here's the good news. And for us today, uh, what, does, what do these words, what does Ezekiel mean for us? What does Ezekiel have to say for the life of the church? I have six closing points. The first one is this. Seek out harmony. Pray for it. Harmony, peace. That Hebrew concept, shalom. Seek it out. Number two, hate sin. Hate it. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. Ask for it. I want to I hate this because I want to be like Jesus. Jesus is way better and he is enough. Number three, shut down weaponized shame. Y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. 
that shame that comes at you and it tears you apart. We need Jesus. We need that Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to be our shield. Bounce to the gospel, bounce to the cross. And in, in all that stew of, of wrestling through the gospel and seeking out Jesus, when you make those baby steps, when you make those leaps, celebrate that. Celebrate life change. Celebrate those discipling moments in your life. Celebrate that you're not the same person as you were 10 years ago. Number five, pray for for holistic renewal. Kind of ties back into to seeking out harmony. Pray for revival. Pray for renewal. Like, we like to say in evangelical circles, oh God, revive the land. Restore, restore. The, like, unpack that. Flesh that out. Parse that out as far as you can go. What does that actually mean for you? For revival and renewal. And talk to God about it. Pray for renewal. And number six, ask God to multiply the flock. God is doing this. It's his grace. It's his initiative. And he invites us through all of this. Hey, ask me. I'm going to like multiply the flock. We, We love multiplication. Healthy reproduction of disciples who make disciples, who are living on mission, who go out and make more disciples, who make disciples. Multiply the flock. And here at the end, church, we can never burden God with our prayers. We can never burden our God with our prayers. And through all of this, and Ezekiel, I know it was heavy today. But let me tell you, church, God is still alive. He is still working. He is still moving. And when God moves, he says, people will know that I am the Lord. Let's pray.